0: This episode of A Little Juju Podcast is sponsored by Moyo Mysteries. Moyo Mysteries is a platform all about providing holistic nourishment through self, cultural, and community empowerment. moyo Sant offers spiritual consultations, energy ritual work, pelvic steam plans, and full-spectrum doula services from fertility and birth work to loss and bereavement and abortion work. Moyo Sant also offers a variety of educational projects in relation to Black ancestral spirituality, birth work, death work, neurodivergence, and Afrofuturism. To learn more, you can visit Moyo Sant via www.moyomysteries.org. And you can follow her on Facebook and IG under the name Moyo, M-O-Y-O,
1: Mysteries. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju All you need is All you need All you need is a little juju All you need is a little juju All you need is a little juju A little juju, a little juju A little juju is the way It's how I start my day Can't firm no say, And I'll never give play. I'll take your photo to the grave but that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my face to make a stay. Cause I hate when bay leaves, but I manifest a little with my bay leaves. I'm my ancestors, baby. So I give them everything that they gave me. Yeah, so I can't be stopped everything gives me spiritually rounded while I'm on the top my
0: surrounded so I'll never welcome 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 to a little juju podcast this is the podcast all about black ass spirituality honoring our ancestors honoring ourselves decolonizing our spiritual beliefs and religions and traditions and uncovering the ones that our ancestors left for us on our journey and path to freedom healing and liberation my name is Juju Bay and I am the host of this here show. I show up today as your bad bitch witch, of course, Reiki practitioner, hoodoo woman, hoodoo conjurer, orisha devotee, spiritualist. Get I said, And lover of gospel music, regardless of. Of the fact that I ain't nobody's good Christian. I ain't even a Christian. I damn sure ain't a good one. But I ain't one at all. But gospel music is my is my shit. And will forever be my shit. <laughs> Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode. If you would like to keep up with the conversation. Feel free to hashtag Juju Bay or ALJ Pod. And see what the girls are talking about. See if anyone else is watching the episode with you. And you can make some community that way. You can also hashtag podin, P-O-D-I-N, to find other podcasts of color. As we've been doing more recently, you can listen to the show here, or you can head on over to YouTube to watch the interview that we are doing today with Ia Ehime. So you can listen here, but if you want to, this episode the interview portion of this episode will be for your viewing pleasures.
1: All you need is a
0: little juju. It's so interesting. I feel like I don't have much to share this week. I've just been, just like y'all doing, trying to figure things out. I had COVID hit one of my family members pretty close to me. And this is the first person that I knew personally, or at least my first family member. Actually, first person I've known personally and first family member that has gotten hit with COVID. Um, I just found that out today. So would appreciate prayers towards that. And, you know, this the holiday time is just weird in general, and it's even weirder this year. Well, it can be weird in general. is even weirder this year just with the virus and everything going on in the world. It's just kind of like, you know, we're in the midst of things just shifting and, and changing so much. And life not being normal or the normal that we're used to and having to create new traditions and new rituals. For our normalcy. And so it's, it's, it's a my You know being in the middle of all of it. But thankfully I've kept my head afloat. And been doing pretty well for myself. And I'm definitely extending that energy to everyone who is listening to this now. You know who's coming with good intentions. <laughs> that we just continue to move through. And do the best that we can. And embrace the blessings as we see them. I got blessed recently. The other day, actually, my grandmother called me. And she spoke over my life in a way that I will never, ever, ever, ever forget. I'm not going to share everything that she said because it just feels really sacred to me and personal. But basically, she's been having dreams about me and my work and what I do. Not fully clear, but recognizing that I'm a healer and her speaking that over me and saying that I I'm like her mother and just telling me her dreams that she didn't plan on telling me but she decided to share them with me cuz she kept having them and she felt like God wanted me to know and it it was just so powerful because my grandmother and I we don't talk about stuff like that you know she kind of knows what I do but not the not the deep intersections of my work and how I show up in the world. She doesn't really know that. She she knows about it. She knows I'm like doing my thing and I have a podcast, but not really how deep the spiritual work is. So for her to have reoccurring dreams about me and seeing really powerful things in her dream and feeling like she needs to share that and also speak over me. And she started, I mean, she she went in. And I was just bawling, 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 crying. And I feel like that was the first moment. Because everything she told me are things that y'all tell me, are things that my friends tell me. Like, oh, you're doing this so well. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. Your future's going to be this. But it's it's something so different hearing that from your elder. It's something so different hearing that from a grandparent an older black woman speaking that over your life, especially someone who you're not talking to about things like that necessarily, and who is Christian, very Christian, very um, conventional, conservative Christian. So... I prayed recently that my ancestors continue to show themselves to me and tell me about themselves. And so when she was praying over me and saying this in the dreams and whatever, she was like, you know, you're just like my mother. You're just like my mother. It's okay to cry. You're like my mother. You know, I don't know much about her mother. I, I, I do venerate my great grandmother as an ancestor, but I don't know much about her. So now I feel like that was her opportunity to make herself known to me like, yep, baby, this is this is in your blood. Yep, you are just like me. And so I have something else to talk to my grandmother about. And maybe I'll interview her on a podcast. I don't know. I know y'all probably want to hear from her, but she, I, I don't know. She's she's more traditional, but I think as she's gotten older, she's more open and just kind of saying what's on her mind and being more transparent. So I shared that story, one, just because it was the biggest thing that happened to me this past week that made me feel renewed. It felt like a spiritual bath, honestly. But also to encourage you all who feel like or do come from families that are very Christian, that may seem very traditional Christian, that they ain't no hoodoo, ain't no, ain't no skills, ain't no spiritual gifts going on in my lineage. You don't know that. They very well might be. They very well probably is now. Ha- maybe they haven't told you, or they felt like they can't say those things. And a lot of times, our elders feel like those things aren't important to say. Like, oh yeah, I be dreaming everything. Oh yeah, I'm psychic, but that ain't nothing to run around the world saying to everybody. It's dangerous, and there's there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. But I want to encourage y'all again to talk to the people that you are around, whether it is your own blood family or elders that are in your life or elders that you can connect with from other people's lives, you can still learn so much. So ask your ancestors, whether you knew them in the physical realm or not, to show themselves to you in whatever ways that they see fit, but ways that you will understand. And be open to receiving the information about your family, if that's what you're wanting to do, or your bloodline. Because they always come, and it might not be that next day or in that moment, but they will come with the information. So you have to be prepared to take it in and ask the questions and do the research, and to to continue on and and uncover these these mysteries that that move through our blood. So um, I just wanted to share that with you all. I'm excited for the interview today. Can't wait to get into it. So let's just talk about how you can donate and support this work and this show. And get into our lovely interview today with Ahime. All
1: you need is a little juju. A little juju podcast
0: is written, hosted, and crafted by me, Juju. And this process is a labor of love, but it is labor nonetheless. Because podcasting ain't free. It takes time, energy, resources, money, so that I can pay people to help me. Finally, I have a little bit more resources to do that. And I'm able to do that because people donate. Um, it is a few ways to donate to the show. All of them are important. I will start with the monetary ways, and then we'll get into the non-monetary ways to support this work. So the first monetary way that I'll mention is through Patreon, which is a site that allows you to contribute to the show monthly. So on the first of the month, Patreon automatically takes out whatever you choose to donate, which will range from one dollar to as many dollars as you want. I have some suggestions on my Patreon. And based on the level that you donate is the level of content or things that you'll receive from me via Patreon, which includes exclusive deals, videos sometimes i do readings sometimes i do workings for specific patrons it just depends so shout out to my newest patrons first i want to shout out hess love i feel like i might have shouted out hess last episode but hess can always get more than one hey boo thank you for becoming a patron shout out to jasmine leggett shout out to diamond shout out to shams jasmine henderson marcia black hey marcia shout out to sarah a for upping your pledge i appreciate you shout out to simone davis andre atkins johnny law shout out to lauren w for editing your pledge but still being a patron i appreciate you shout out to leslie carter priesla aris thank you for upping your pledge shout out to leticia chisholm Shout out to Gabrielle Del Bosque. Hey, shout out to PG Wack and Table. Thank you for being a patron. Shout out to Scorpiana. Shout out to Kavisa Wood. Shout out to Sharique Robinson. Shout out to Coretta Tots for editing your pledge, but still remaining a patron. Shout out to Penny Wick. Coco Butter Queen TV. Hey, thank you. And that is all my patrons for today. I appreciate you and I love you. And I do not take the energy of money lightly. So as you are sharing with me, I'm sending so much abundance, so many resources, so much coin, wealth, prosperity, whatever it is that you need to fund your life, your work, your projects, all of that. May you have it and may you have it tenfold. Many blessings over you and yours. I say to that with my power of the tongue that I carry. I speak so much, so much, so much abundance with you as you share your abundance with me. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I don't take that lightly, especially during holiday season. Like, I appreciate me being one of the things that you uh, have decided to give to. So thank you. And if you are interested in the non-monetary ways to donate to the show, which are just as important, shout me out. Tag ALJ Pod, tag Jujube on social media, put people on to the show, tell them what this podcast is and what it's about comment subscribe so that i pop up when a new episode comes out so you already are hip and you know just let people know about the show you can rate five stars on apple or whatever platform that you are using and just help me spread the good juju gospel i appreciate everyone who always tags and tells me they're listening and puts people onto the show i deeply deeply appreciate that as well all that information will be in the show notes so now let's get back into the show
1: all you need is all righty,
0: so let's get into our interview today with Ahime. I am so grateful for Ahime to just watch him grow and change and be so wise and so young. Um I'm just in awe, I feel like, and I'm glad that he is in the position that they're in, and I'm in the position that I'm in, so that we can sort of just collaborate and do really cool things like this together, um, and just been able to witness each other, you know, kind of from when we started to to now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking. I hope that you enjoy this interview. You're gonna learn much more about ifai Sheshe and initiating and gender. And sexuality, as we think about West African tradition in the Orisha. So, so much good content. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. And of course, you can also head on over to YouTube if you want to watch the interview. Alrighty, enjoy.
1: All you need
0: is a little juju. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of a little Juju podcast. If you are listening to the audio version, hopefully you can head on over to JujuTube, aka YouTube, and check out my wonderful interview with Ahime. Hi, it's me. <laughs> I'm so excited That's to have you.
2: I appreciate it.
0: Of course. I know our schedules were like doing a thing, but right. now we're here, and it is definitely
2: period. Another-
0: is- Thank you. Of course. So, I'm excited because we have kind of known each other for a a few years now, you know, internet wise. I think it started off in like the Facebook spiritual streets. (laughs) And then we were in the same spiritual house at some point. Mm -hmm. And and now I think, well, I really think we've been able to watch each other just kind of like transform and grow in a spiritual sense and really find our voice. So, I'm just honored to have you here as like someone that I just remember. Just you know, just being young and cute and amazing mm-hmm. and now you're just like you're just like I don't have words where I just feel like you're like this. And yeah, so- but
2: like let's always just remember that you called it too, the prayer that you spoke over me. I still remember it. And I you, did <laughs> you spoke you said you saw a vision too about so many people studying other men. That's yes. what's I did wow. wow. And wow. I want to thank you so much for you know putting that good ashe over me and protect. Uh-huh. Thank you.
0: Oh, cool. <laughs> Love. wow! I forgot about that ashe. Okay, so let's talk. How did you give us your origin story? You know, who are you? First of all, I don't know who you are. Yes.
2: So I'm Mihime Ora. My Ifa name is Ifa Yami Shango Dosu. Okay. I'm a Shango initiate. I'm a Shango Priestess. I'm Omo Awo the Isheise Lamba Ifa Faith. Okay. That's my titles. That's it. (laughs) And I'm actually Nigerian. I was born in Ibadan City. I'm in Nigeria. And honestly, I grew up in a Christian household, but you know, a Christian household, right? So close, right. right, right. Because in Nigeria and what you will find out in a diaspora and just other countries, people put Christianity as like the face to kind of cover up their own, you know, indigenous beliefs. And this like my mother in general, she's from the Yoruba tribe, which is from the Delta River. So she told me so many stories about water spirits, about mm-hmm. our ancestors, because on my mother's side, they practice so much stuff like emoja, so much festivals, venerating ancestors. So she's not spiritually blind at all. Mm-hmm. And it's just growing up, all the stories that she have like, really energized me with and really like filled me with, it was just crazy to see how later on Ifa would kind of confirm everything that she told me. So it's just like the stories of our matriarchs, of our mothers, of our grandmothers, it really holds like the history of ourselves. You know, it's just crazy to just remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, I feel like I always been kind of, aware about spirit Uh, when I grew up I immigrated over to Florida when I was around the age of three so I pretty much my only connection to back home was in my family was my house it was my mom telling me all these things and it was also just my own ori my own higher self wanting something more um, because my parents wanted us to survive in America, to be, you know, the black person that's educated, that's Christian, that's, you know, down with the white folk, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That was what we do in the church. We went to a white church. My mama would wear her gele, her Nigerian regalia. We would always dress up nice and dashiki all that time to go to a white church. So it's crazy, right? Wow. <laughs> interesting. But it was just like, I would look around during prayers, and I was mad young, just not really feeling anything, not really vibing with it. I felt uncomfortable. And it wasn't the uncomfortable of like, I felt nervous or scared or anything like that. It was more so, this is not for me. Maybe it's for other people, but this is not nourishing my soul. So I think from a young age, I was kind of exploring, you know, how can I find this calling? So. It was actually when I I went to an art school from middle school and high school, which is what I found photography and how I found like a different creative art channel. Um, I befriended a Native American woman who kind of took me under her wing and and showed me all these things about animism, about working with plants, about spiritual stuff. And she was like my first introduction to the occult. And I've noticed That it was literally women that were my introduction into the spiritual realm, like into spirit. From my mother to my Native American woman and to Maisha, who literally introduced me into IFA, into the African traditional religion, into my elders and things like that, right? So it's like, it's just crazy how, you know, mother be watching, period.
0: Always, always. It's right on in when you're ready. That's true. I say so how did you, um, so I guess, what was that transition like? Like, was it, did you always think, okay, so like, how did you find Ifa specifically? Right. Mm-hmm. And I know that you are not Yoruba specifically. Yeah. On, no. so can you talk a little bit about that too?
2: Yeah. So I'm actually Edo on my dad's side, mm-hmm. um, the ORA tribe subgroup of Edo, and I'm Robo on my mother's side. So I actually was born in Ibadan city, which is Lan. So these groups are very close together when you look at it. And it even shows in the, in the spirituality and the religious framework of these. Like in Edo spirituality, they call the Ifa face a right? And in Yoruba, is Efa. So it's like mm. they're still using, using Irindalogun. They're still using these different similar things, but in different ways with different stories. So it's like, if you were to be initiated in one of them, it'd be very easy for you to actually learn the other. And actually even in oguega in the Edo divination system, Edo priests actually have to be initiated into Ifa to find wealth because there's a story of um, oguega of pretty much um, not being able to have money because he didn't open up a coconut that was given to all these priests, right? And Arumala did. So Arumala is part of the story as well. They said that they were brothers or they were pretty much colleagues or peers. So uh, Arumala had the help of his wife to kind of open up this coconut and find that there were jewels and wealth in there. Mm -hmm. And Uwega didn't. So when it was the ceremony and the meetings and Arumala was dressing very nice and very stylish, In rags, right? He was not really dressed well, and he was seated on the floor while Arumala was seated on the throne. So it was like, mm-hmm. in order for you to have your own wealth, you have to be initiated into both for those,
1: mm-hmm. races,
2: right? Um, so, how I founded Ifa specifically was I actually have um, my uncle, was actually an ogun um, initiate. So on my family side, there were already kind of people who were practitioners already. But how I found my own um, elders and my own mentors was because, again, of Maisha. Like, she connected me to my elders. Um, She connected me to these people. And that's how I kind of grew up into myself.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't write this question down, but Mm -hmm. when you say, you know, you grew up into yourself, Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if y'all who are watching know who Ahime is, but you probably do <laughs> because like you're literally Twitter famous. I, I would say um, maybe. Yes. And so I'm just curious of what it was like for you to sort of step into your spiritual journey and see yourself. Mm-hmm. You're just talking being you and then you've kind of blown up into this like priest, inspirational, Twitter, Mm -hmm. if initiate, like, Mm -hmm. wells of wisdom, like, what did that moment Mm -hmm. feel like, or does it even feel like a moment to you? Like, how does it resonate for you specifically? It's kind of crazy uh, Mm -hmm. when
2: Yorisha is ready, and you are ready, and how things will move just like that. And it may seem like it's overnight, but when you realize it has been something that has been worked through
1: yes, for
2: yes. years, for months, it's been planned and organized. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing that you know, took me uh, you know, more uh, not accessibility, but more, I guess, visibility mm-hmm. on social media was my words and writing. And that is really the, again, the ashe of my mother, her storytelling. Her ability to relay information, her ability to captivate people and audiences. And even though I, through, I do photography as well, and I do everything else in priesthood, it's like writing and speaking is where my spirit sits most confidently. And it's the way I'm able to really engage and touch other people, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're a whole celebrity. So <laughs> yeah, we love to see it was really <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 and I say I say to it so I'm keep going ashe. okay so um we talked a little bit prior to the interview and about this idea of uh, Sankofa which I yes. don't know is a Ghanaian um oh I can't think of the word symbol yeah, I think. It, it, yes I think right. that's, a now, that's an idea of going back to the past to bring that information and make it relevant to the, the present in order to move forward in the future um, with progress. And so I feel like a lot of your work encapsulates that, but I think all of us who are interested in African diaspora or diaspora traditional practices are embodying this energy of Sankofa. And I'm curious of how you think if that's important, especially around Afrofuturism. So how can we learn from our ancestors? How is that relevant to our futures?
2: because Afrofuturism started all the way from Harriet Tubman, you know, navigating the stars and really using that to uh, help enslaved Africans. And even with the quilts and even with the hair braids and the cornrows, these are Afrofuturism. And I think we kind of consider the idea of Afrofuturism to be something like coming from Sun Ra, right, with his Um, EP Mm -hmm. and everything like that, but it's really being able to uh, create technology that assists the community and using that to kind of uh, almost like using the roots and the Mm -hmm. ancestral ways to kind of create, uh, I would even say a futuristic way, but almost like a homecoming. Mm -hmm. And that is Afrofuturism. Sankofa is literally going back and getting it you must reach back into the past and really being able to move into the future. And that's, you know, tying in with the IFA creation story about the need to go back to tradition. I think so many of us, we think that we can't be modern and traditional. And that really is just you must choose which thing is actually modern, like which thing actually serves a purpose. Like, do we really need nukes? It's modern, it's technology, it's the future, but that is also harmful and destructive to not only you, but the planet itself. Tradition is being able to strike a balance and a harmony between nature and also being community-centered, right? And also understanding that you your own roots your own heritage your own people have the answers it's not just somebody else it's not in other cultures and that even just goes even farther to astrology right and how we're currently in the gemini north node south node sagittarius access right so south south node sagittarius pretty much means we are no longer looking outwards out of ourselves we're no longer looking everywhere else, Sagittarius is really good at kind of discovering different cultures, going to different traditions, looking for the meaning of life, looking for reason. But in North Node Gemini, the destiny for the next year and a half is going inward. That maybe we don't need to expand outwards. Maybe the answer already lies within ourselves. Already, let already lies within our ancestral wisdom. That's already passed down through generations, through stories, you know, that our mother tells us, and even through our dreams, even through our art itself. It's just like it's crazy when I think about that. Honestly, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I'm wondering for someone, let's say that this is their first episode, and they're like, "Okay, going back." Like, okay, what yeah. what does that look like for the average everyday person? black persons yeah
2: so I would even say it's going back to a pre-colonial identity Mm. that you are not all because of white supremacy that you are more than that that you Mm. exist before that that your lineage extends from the start of humanity Mm -hmm. it does not extend after white supremacy you feel me and being able to hold on to that and being able to find home because a lot of us Black people around the world, even on the continent are struggling with a sense of homelessness, a sense of what do we do about our cultures, about our shrines that have been burned, about our art that's in Western museums locked up and we can't even get them home, right? Being able to not let these traditions die So going back to the way that we take care of the planet, of the earth, the way that we have our nature-based traditions, our nature-based roots, the way that we're able to interact with our own indigenous spiritualities, our own spirits, praying to our own spirits, not necessarily praying to Yahweh or other gods or other things that have no relation to our us or our own culture. And also, I think the most important part is not doing everything alone. I think the most important thing or the most, I guess, uh, vicious thing that has happened after colonial times is a sense of individualism and the sense of you must do everything or you must be everything rather than passing that out to somebody else. Just because you can't do something don't mean that you need to lie, right? Or that you need to um, try to do it. Why don't you just pass it on to somebody else, right? So the community-centeredness and being able to lift each other up and also help each other is pretty much the basis of tradition to me, anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Ashe. thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, so you brought up... Uh astrology and you was getting all now I say this all the time I'm not an astrology girl I don't be knowing what the hell is going on I look to people like you to tell us about the nodes and I don't want understand all that so how did you what did your astrology journey you know look like how did you find yourself in that, in that?
2: so I actually been doing astrology I've been formally practicing that since around 2015 <clears throat> and I do the tropical calculations and lately it was definitely looking how can i view astrology through ancestral lens through african lens and not really into just the westernized thing to me astrology if you're able to be skilled in it is a perfect balance between study and intuition just like ifa right just like the Arisha, the the Arisha tradition being able to strike that balance and You can see um, pretty much the elements of ancestors through the third house, right? Which is representing our own introspective knowing, the own intuitive knowing that we do not need to search anywhere else for. And the ninth house, which is our elders, pretty much the knowledge of our ancestors passed down by pretty much our grandparents, right? Ninth house is also the conception point of when you're pretty much Getting ready to be incarnated onto earth, right? Via your parents. So the ninth house representing the wisdom that we are learning from our elders, third house, our own inner wisdom that we already have. So pretty much like, for example, I always compare it with the Zauli, the Côte d'Ivoire dance and Chicago dance as well. And the similarities with the crazy legs and Zauli um, dance is very, you know, it's the inner knowing. And you and you realize that with that third house. And then you even see that with certain asteroids, like the DNA asteroid that literally represents what is in your DNA and the ancestral influences into it, you know? And it's just really impactful to me. And even the 12th house, right? When you look at not only your karma, but lineage karma, things that you weigh upon, things that you are literally having to almost undo is in your own 12th house. So I always see when people who have like cancer in the 12th house have to do a lot of like matriarchal healing because cancer being ruled by the moon and the mother really having to understand how can they create their own femininity? How can they raise and elevate their own female or feminine ancestors in their lineage, right? In the eighth house is pretty much the most common of where people kind of go to the ancestors because this is the house of the dead and house of the reincarnation. But to me, I feel like we should always be looking at the fourth house especially because the fourth house is literally the home. And you'll find out real quickly in West African countries, the home is literally the body of the ancestors. Um, I know for me personally, my own tribe, my grandfather is actually buried in his room My grandparents are buried in the backyard. This is why having a home is so important. Ancestors live in there. So the fourth house representing the home that you build and the home that you grew up in is where you can find that ancestral influence as well.
0: Wow. Okay. I love this because I think with modern day astrology, you don't, or I have not, Ever been able to fully connect it to something that, obviously, knowing that it's ancient, but like this, just the ancestral ties that you're making, I think mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful way to actually. And the way that we can get the most out of our astrological practices, you know, yes. more than just I'm a Gemini, so I'm two faced, you know, but like, what actually are we learning from this? What can we learn? And essentially, you know, this is an old tradition as well. Mm-hmm. I'm astrology, so I appreciate this, 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 the way that you explain that to us, because I think yeah. uh, looking at it like that, we get the most out of this language of astrology. Definitely.
2: And I think astrology should be something that all Black people utilize. Like it's not something that should only be for white folk or for the new age people, but really hard traditionalists can use astrology as well because if our own ancestors could use the stars to hunt, to navigate their escape. Why can't we use the transits to know when to ask somebody out or when to, you know, do something or when to make a big move, right? We can really use this for our own success and we should because true success or true freedom to me is utilizing all the spiritual tools that you have in your arsenal, you know?
0: Absolutely. So how do you, um, if you do at all, Mm-hmm. collaborate I guess if I and astrology or are they kind of separate practices that you do
1: all you need is a little
0: juju I hope you all are enjoying this episode but we had to stop for a quick commercial break until January 15th you can get 20% off of the real talk session series new don't let these degrees fool you hoodies when you use the code it's Bay. You'll get free shipping and proceeds go towards funding the creation of educational resources for black communities. So again, get your don't let these degrees fool you hoodies when you use the code Juju Bay until January 15th at ww.realtalksession slash shop. Now let's get back into the show.
1: All you
2: need is a little juju. To me, I kind of leave those two separate because I don't think it's, you know, necessary to combine astrology ideas with IFA per se, because these are two different, I guess, systems that work independently to one another. Um, However, when it comes to my astrological settings that I have, because astrology is a science, so much like IFA relying on mathematical equations and the way of pretty much hardcore facts like astrology is going to have the same almost profound accuracy as an ifa divination and what you know people who have had sessions with me would say that it sounds exactly how what ifa or what other divination systems within african diasporic religions have already told them but now you already know the cosmic reason of why it is right where i will tell you why in astrology you see Why it is, and understanding that, and also having that framework to know where your weaknesses are and to know where your strengths are, and using that again for your freedom and for your success.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm curious then, how do you or do you would you say that you use both sort of within your own life? So, if I want to go get an Eva divination, would it make sense for me to go and get an astrological divination? Or maybe my question is, how do you think that they, um, like, do this dance together?
2: Yeah, like I always just notice what in my own personal Ifa divinations, and it kind of matches exactly what um, my transit would say as well. So it would be almost freaky. So, for example, uh, I will expose myself a little bit. Uh, <laughs> my divination of the year was Eji Obe, which is the king of Ifa, right? Mm-hmm. And it represents, you know, leadership and ascending to responsibility, which is basically what happened this year, right? But if you look in my astrological chart, I'm in my 10th house perfection year. And the 10th house is the house of your career. It's the house of reputation. It's the house of social status. And that is where my own Leo North Node is. And that's pretty much celebrity status, that's fame. If you just, look. <laughs> you just look with the analysis itself, you know? So certain things like that, it matches up a lot of the time, which even makes it a little bit freaky. Um, but I think you can really utilize it in very good ways. Like, you know, if IFA says, maybe you need to be a little bit uh, respectful to women for the next few days, you'll see that it, they're saying this during a mercury cancer retrograde, you know? Right like that got it and it really makes sense so you know just keep your eyes open and
0: feel you feel me <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um i want to talk a little bit about divinations because yeah thanks to how you divide well first i guess tell us what divination is and how it yes. is by tradition and then how you yes. use it Yeah, so
2: divination is pretty much being able to consult spirit, right? And consulting spirit using different tool methods or even not using tool methods. uh, Because before uh, there was even plants or animals on earth, Arimala would divine just by allowing somebody to put their palm on the earth. And then the Odu would appear on the sand, on the dirt below them. Can
1: you tell Um, us what
0: Odoo is?
2: Yeah, that's Odu is, I believe it's Odu. uh,
0: Oh, not which Odu? I mean, you can tell us that too, but what is Odu for people who don't know? Oh yeah,
2: so the Odu itself, or Odu is pretty much the cosmic code. It's pretty much the, they call it the womb, right? Odu holds the esoteric wisdom of the entire universe. So pretty much the table, the elephant, the sink, the stars, they're all in the Odu. And the Odu is they say that it's around 440,000 verses, right? But it really is infinite. It's a computer. To say that there's a mouth, to, to even have a book would be not even possible because there's just so much information. And even then, that book would be so dense that you would not even be able to read it or even really be able to internalize the information, which is why the oral tradition is so easy for you to be able to grasp information because the ability to be in the presence of the priest the ability to hear the stories and to go and do repetition is how you're able to really understand all of these odus in of itself right what was your first question I i totally forgot about it
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay i was asking about divination what is divination in oh word? yes so <laughs> like
2: in the E5 divination. You have different divinations like opele chain. You have divinations like the ikinifa. Ikinifa is pretty much just palm nuts, right? Palm nuts that are blessed uh, to perform. And it's the most highest form of divination because palm nuts are said to have the actual ashe attached to the And the opele chain is used for, it still has the same accuracy as the ikinifa, but opele is not, it would be used for not super important matters, right? And then you have Yerindo Lagoon, which are cowrie shells. And these are what Orisha priests would usually utilize to divine for. Um, and they're pretty much are in 16 pieces, right? Of the Rindo Lagoon. Um, and we're able to pretty much be able to have the same accuracy as Opele and that same accuracy as a through those things. And for me, my own divinations. Um, I'm pretty much using, I'm not using um, Opele, Rindu Lagoon, or uh, uh, Ekin Ifa because I'm not using Ifa divinations. For me, it takes many years for you to be skilled enough to perform these divinations for people. And I highly suggest that we understand the importance of study and understand the importance of being skilled and these things before you do that to somebody else, right? Because these are people's livelihoods you be messing with if you're using that, right? You say it that's what I'm saying, right? Like it's Listen. not- Listen, <laughs> <Hey. laughs> It's okay to wait and to be skilled before you try to use these tools. So when anyone is on like, oh, can you tell me Marisha, I'm not gonna tell you that because I don't know, I'm not using these tools, that's it, right? <laughs> But for me, I'm using ancestral divination. So these are tools I use. I read with bones, uh, mostly with bones, and with a game for cards as well. I like cartomancy. I don't really use tarot just because I feel like it does not give me as much of a as an accuracy that I like personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I still think when it comes to uh, divination tools in themselves, it can be very abstract. It doesn't have to be cards doesn't have to be bones. You can really read with the clouds. You can read with tea leaves. You can read with water, scrum, water with smoke, fire, eyes, anything, right? Anything that you can use your intuition and connect and tap into divine and spirit, that in of itself is divination.
0: Yes. And thank you so much for saying that. Um, and it's so important to highlight that even the story of putting your hand on the earth. Yes. Um, and, and being able to read that way, like it's not, it really is so much bigger than tarot cards or even playing cards or even any tool at all. It's really about what you can use to tap into um, mm-hmm. for your intuition to give you the information or your spirits to give you the information. Um, and also, thank you for talking about the importance of study. I think mm-hmm. that this kind of moves into sort of the energy now with, with people embracing the spiritual journey and wanting to know more and how quickly sometimes I think when we learn like, oh, I learned that this earth means mm-hmm. this. So now I'm going to make spiritual baths for everyone. Or okay. I learned what 10 of cups means. So mm-hmm. now I'm going to be a tarot reader for for right. everyone. Um, and it's it's no shade, but I think sometimes we just get so excited, you know, in our journeys that we're like, okay, and now it's time for me to be doing this. And now it's time for me mm-hmm. to be paying, to getting paid for it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just want you to talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. process too. And really, just kind of mm-hmm. hit on the importance of us just
2: being patient. Yeah. I think it's just the pressure of capitalism on spirituality. Mm-hmm. That really is just mm-hmm. it. You know, because it's like yes. you think you must always make a business of whatever you do, even if it's for fun. So people look at spirituality of how can I have this empire, right? I see a lot of people using that too, about a tarot empire or mm-hmm. spiritual empire or this business and to be honest the reason why we're having or even charging for spiritual services is because we have capitalism and it's because we have to survive and before we would be able to have almost an exchange of energy an exchange of goods you yes. being able to I'll give you divination you give me food clothes and you know a house in the village and that's it you know but before we don't really have that much of a luxury so I think people especially when they see other people doing it, they feel like they must be in a rush. They must, um, it's almost this competing thing, right? And all of this comparison, take your time, please. You don't need to become somebody else. You, maybe you don't even need to be reading cards. Maybe because you were so much in a rush, you didn't even realize that your skill is with herbs, with herbalism, with roots, right? Why don't you take the time to explore yourself first rather than trying to stay stuck um, in what you do? Because your interests may change, right? And also, you may not just be as good at it as you think you are. And that's also just real tea. It's not even shade at all. Some people don't need to be reading folks. Some people don't need to be making baths. Find out what works for you and stop trying to really, you know, pressure yourself into that or really trying to morph yourself into something that you're not. Be honest, right? And that's almost to the Gemini North note.
0: Speak about what
2: you know, not what you don't know, you know?
0: <laughs> Read. <laughs> So I love that you talked about being in a rush and it reminds me also, I think of, and I I felt this too, when I first learned about um, a lot of spiritual traditions, being in a rush to be a priest and being Uh okay, I I know things, now I'm ready to be a priest. And so as someone who Uh has been newly initiated, can you talk Uh about why Uh we may not want to rush (laughs) being Uh a priest? Um, I mean, of course there's beauty that comes with it, but it's so much more Uh than I think the image
2: that people see yeah yeah and the thing is even to be honest with you initiates not all initiates are supposed to be priests to begin with
0: yeah
2: or even to be practicing priests let me um, change my language yeah because there's a difference between being an a priest and a Yalarisha and being a practicing yalurisha or a priest you know um and i think people are very much into titles. I feel like it definitely has to do with a lot of probably invisible trauma that they're not acknowledging about people Mm -hmm. may not respecting them or that feeling that they must prove themselves and feeling like having titles will prove yourself, but you don't need to prove your own destiny, right? If you're supposed to be a priest, you will answer that if that is your destiny, right? I feel like people don't understand that it, we chose our destiny before we even incarnated on earth. Right. In heaven, mm-hmm. we were surrounded by so many different paths that we could have choose from, but we chose this one for a reason. So honor that rather than trying to feel as a priesthood to make you feel better because priesthood, that's gonna come with the same With the same different issues, you now have children that you have to look after. You now have an ELA. You now have responsibilities and all these things. And it's also financial responsibilities as well, and the well being of so many people besides yourself. People don't understand that you're not just a priest for yourself, you're a priest for other people. And like I said, with divinations. These are the well-being of other people that you are taking on. And it's so important for you to be skilled enough and not be so caught up with ego, with arrogance, with the flashiness or all this stuff um, that you skip that, you know, because you're only doing yourself and other people around you at a service.
0: Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. I never even thought about it being a sense of trauma and wanting to feel seen and respected. Uh, that's so real like that's so real what I'm curious of what your transition into priesthood has, mm-hmm. has been like like what do you feel mm-hmm. I don't want to ask a lot of people this they're like they, the words are sometimes like you can't explain it but I'm just curious of how yeah. it's been for you it's as a honestly, young person especially too yeah
2: yeah honestly I think after my uh after my Shango initiation. It was like, I felt lost for a few weeks. I felt, who, what's happening? Like, who am I? Um, Because when you now have the Orisha kind of planted inside of you, you are shifting and morphing to become that Orisha in a way that caters your destiny, right? So two Orishas on two different heads are not going to act the same to one another. And it was almost as if the Orisha is going to shed parts of you that are holding you back from truly elevating yourself and your destiny so you can emerge. And you'll find out how we are so comfortable holding ourselves back from our destiny and how being forced into a new space is almost like So confusing. It's also terrifying because I don't know where anything else is. I don't know what this is, the unknown. That's terrifying. Like things that make sense. You know, I'm a tourist. You know, I don't like to be, you know, doing
1: things.
2: (laughs) I like things to be played out. So it was just like, what can I do in the unknown when I cannot see rather than move forward, rather than take a step forward, rather than trust the that I'll be guided out of this darkness. And I was, and I still am, even you know, even after just a few months after my initiation, there are still times when I'm having this almost, I would say, existential crisis about who am I? And Shango is just like, you are you, that's it. You don't have to be anything else but that. And being able to understand that you are you and that is enough is probably what the most empowering thing of stepping into priesthood is for me
0: wow i had this like beautiful image when you were talking of almost like how the orisha sort of placed in you and they're literally Mm -hmm. just kind of like pushing out and clearing out all of the things that that don't allow them to fully be inside Mm -hmm. of you and take up that full space so i can imagine how those things being pushed out and, and shedding how uncomfortable that that would be um, but the Orisha is like, I'm just making space so that actually you can be you and so that I can sit comfortably and guide you um, to your destiny. So thank you for that, um, for inspiring that image in me. Um, so I did want to talk about, we talked about this earlier, sort of what it's like to be a human and also like. A spirit at the same time. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I see this on Twitter, a lot of people are like we are spirits, like having a human experience. And I think that's mm-hmm. valid. Um, and then I also think that we are humans mm-hmm. <laughs> as right. well.
1: Mm-hmm. And so how,
0: how, what does it look like for you and for all of us to maybe honor both mm-hmm. of those places within ourselves? Yeah, like I think
2: the biggest thing was that I'm not on social media like that. Like I'm on social media, but it's like when it comes to like my own scrolling time on oh, the yeah. parts. I'm on it, you know, I think it's important for especially people who are in these spiritual spaces to have a separate identity from any kind of social visibility that they have, you know, that in of itself is huge.
0: It. Right.
2: And also being able to have different friends as well. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't need to have talk about astrology all the time, right? Or you all the time or reach all the time, even though that is my life and that is a part of me and that it's always going to be me. Yeah. I'm able to understand that these are qualities of myself, but it's not all of myself. Mm. there's parts of me that i like to write i like to do photography um i'm an undergrad currently i like to do my research in african art i like other things you know and it's okay to like other things i feel like with spirituality it can be very easy to almost isolate yourself and to become almost like um almost like wanting to be Buddha in a way. Does that make yes, sense? Yes. You know, I'm going to be on this hilltop meditating for 500 years by myself. And you know, that's cool. To you, that, that makes you happy. But, right. <laughs> you know, maybe be a little bit more open. Like maybe go out for drinks with your friends. Maybe have friends that you go out with. Maybe these are not your friends that you can talk about spirituality with. But these are your friends that can have fun with. I right. think- Different people. You know, I'm gonna go to my ele when I need that spiritual healing. I'm gonna go ask John if he wants to go out and drink with me. If I wanna have fun, you know, that's it. Yeah. You don't gotta make it so deep. I think it's very easy, like I said, with spirituality to isolate yourself into the experience. And that goes back to almost the individualistic um philosophy that I said here about almost like people wanting to prove just how more spiritual they are than the other person or proving that they have more knowledge than the other person. So many people can provide you with new information and new ways, new perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. Even the priests are still studying. Even the initiates are still studying. It's a constant studying of being open because you don't know everything. And it's okay, you know. I'm going on a tangent here, but you know, that's no, t- this is the space. <laughs> <laughs> this is the space. Yeah, but like, yeah, I'm just saying that um, I think, you know, being a young person as well, I'm 21. I got the rest of my life ahead of me, right? You know, and it's okay if I wanna shed off my skin, want to relax a bit because I'm, I'm still blessed by the ancestors and the Orisha, period, regardless of what I do the next day. You know, as long as I stay in Iwa Pele, my good character, I can go out and have some Come fun. On. And even then, in my spirituality journey, I never really felt at home with too much of the... Uh, I guess the popular things in new age, um, crystals and things like that, even Mm -hmm. though they're beautiful, and even though I enjoy them, it's almost like to roll with me. I don't really feel like it really nourishes me or really impacts me in a way. Mm -hmm. And that is just so important too, of being able to know what works for you in spirituality, and know what doesn't. And that goes to my next point about not everyone needs to be initiated into Ifa or the Irish tradition. Not everyone needs to have an Arisha on their head. Not everyone needs to go on that path. And you would know if you connect with your ancestors first. That's all I'm gonna say, you know? There's so many different indigenous spiritualities and religions that are not just Ifa based. And maybe your destiny is to be priesthood and something else. But if you're not open to that, if you're trying to force it, you may be almost withholding yourself and truly being able to elevate into your own destiny, to your own reason of incarnation on this earth,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, you spoke on so many good things that I wrote notes on that I wanted to say. Um, but I, I want to talk, I just want to say, Ashe, because you said that, you know, this whole, like, I'm going to go into the mountains and be quiet, and I'm not going to do this, and I can't do that it's just not real. It just feels like not African that we could not party or that we could not be with our friends or that we could not be laughing and not experience Mm -hmm. our full human or that we could not have sex. You know, I mean, it's just, and I I love the Orisha tradition specifically because we have all of these stories of Mm -hmm. the Orisha doing human ass shit, (laughs) like even fucking up and uh, just all these things that makes the journey feel like, okay, this isn't something that's outside of me or that I cannot Mm read. The Orisha was doing this. Shango was doing this. (laughs) Shango
1: was drinking my
2: liquor. I could drink liquor too. That's it. I don't know why I (laughs)
1: could.
2: It'd be a lot. Like, I don't know why they want me to be a perfect thing the Orishas. When the Orishas are literally... This is why we we're able to relate to them so much because right. of almost their humanness, mm-hmm. not this perfect idealized thing. I mean, they got, that's why they got their own taboos or the things that they should not be doing, yeah. you know. And I think being able to understand that we are more dynamic and dualistic and more multifaceted than what we give ourselves credit for. And being able to acknowledge all parts of ourselves, even the bad ones or the ones that we don't really like to acknowledge. um, I think being able to not have shame or guilt about not being the most spiritual person or about not being the most enlightened or elevated or high vibrational person, right? You're able to fully and actually start living because... I think when we get into this healing journey, we think that we must always need to be continue to heal, always need to continue to be in introspection. That's only that's that's the key way to drive yourself crazy, for real. To always trying to dissect and analyze every thought that you have. Ooh. It's not work. <laughs> You're going to eat yourself up in your own mind. Keep doing that.
0: You know? I have to sit my tea on that. Yeah, no, it's real because I
2: feel like people are really just like, this is how you trap yourself in overthinking by thinking every thought is so serious or that every thought deserves your entire attention. Sometimes they're just thoughts that you can just let pass. They don't need your entire focus. This is how people make themselves paranoid or make themselves, you know, all this stuff. You don't need to take yourself so seriously. It's so important to incorporate stillness, right? And to just recognize, okay, these are thoughts. They don't necessarily make me a bad or a good person. They're just there. And maybe if I detach from that, then I can finally be able to understand and hold on to the thoughts that I like and the thoughts that make me feel good and nourished rather than the ones that kind of make me stagnant or block my flow, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, yes. The way
0: you just read me, like, I did not invite you for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank Aren't you, thank you a Gemini sidereal? I know you do. I, sure, I, yes, I, I sure am. Oh, i a actually. Um, so, to shift gears a little bit, I definitely want to talk about um, the expansiveness of gender and sexuality um, in the Orisha tr- uh, tradition specifically, yes. and how you've been able to find that to affirm others and maybe even yourself um, through your own. Yes, religion. yes. I feel like
2: what people even talk go cool to me, people who are non-binary or who are transgender in general, it's like, will I be able to have a home in the Orisha tradition? I'm going to tell you, if Obatala can go from male to female anytime. any time, you have a home here. And I think <laughs> what people don't realize, the Orishas are very flexible with their gender expression because they don't really have a true body, the Irumoleis. They have human presentations. And with certain Orishas like Obatala, Olokun, or even Emile, you see how they're very fluid in being able to shift forms, right? And I think that in of itself can allow us to widen our perspective that maybe there aren't just two genders. Maybe there's more than that. Maybe it's Eurocentric belief systems right. that's kind of wanting to uphold patriarchy that's making you confine only two genders. When you look at you know, other uh, culture, cultural traditions that are not um, African per se, you have two spirited genders, right? And to me, my own personal research is being able to find the indigenous gender systems of West African countries and just mm-hmm. African in general that has been, you know, lost in time through colonialism because this is what Black people need. I don't want to call myself the other white people who call themselves too. You feel me? This is why for me personally, even though I... I kind of, you know, match in that gender not conforming box. I'm not gonna call myself that because it does not feel African enough to me. Yeah. That's it. It doesn't feel indigenous enough to me. And it's almost as if using these terms makes me feel like it's new. My mm-hmm. is not new. My ancestors have been feeling exactly how I've been feeling in my body since ever. Yeah. It's not something new age. And I feel like being able to find these indigenous genders are so important for our own freedom, because now the only issue is we have to escape the chains that have been on our minds, you know? Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Thank you for saying that. That's one of the reasons that I don't identify as queer anymore. Mm -hmm. I still... I'm okay if someone calls me queer, but I yeah. personally identify as being queer because it, it doesn't feel at home or that it's yes. something that's new or mm-hmm. you know, even queerness being something that is technically a word for strange. Yeah. Um, it's like, no, it's actually just old as hell <laughs> and ancient and <laughs> ancestral. Right. Like, you got
2: ancestors out here that, you know, they're like, I don't know what
0: queer is, but I, I don't know. I don't what- know a queer, but... <laughs> 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 Literally. I'm curious um, if you have, you you don't have to share any, but if you have any stories or examples of sort of the gender expansiveness, maybe a Pataki or anything that people can be like, oh, okay, there's a thing that Mm-hmm.
2: So there is a um, I believe, in the Lukumi Santeria tradition. Um, quote me if I'm wrong, though, because this is not my own. I'm um, not shit, I'm But I believe it was when Obatala was trying to travel across the ferry of fire. And he traveled to this uh, ferryman and he wanted to essentially cross, but he couldn't. So Obatala was like, okay. I got you. Let me come back. Okay. So Obatula, because he created all humans out of clay, he was going to be like, okay, let me just shift it to a woman real quick. You know, Obatula is handsome, beautiful, gorgeous, Mm -hmm. and he was like, okay, I'm going to come back. So this is also a very good um, story about sexuality as well. So Obatula comes back in the female form, and then he pretty much uses the sex to kind of Mm -hmm fairy it was okay i gonna just you know use that because that's what you want period. okay and i
1: know what works
2: exactly and in this story this is how actually Shango was kind of created mm-hmm. uh and that's honestly probably the huge thing for me because you can see this being able to be very gender fluid and it also reminds me of a story that my mother told me let me tell you again my mother is a keeper of all the stories let me tell you he told me about um, like the one of these village um, divinities that pretty much the story went that there was um there was a man that held all these pretty much traditional tools and pots and all this stuff of this divinity in his house. And the colonizers were trying to pretty much um, take it to a scratch it and pretty much like uh, you know, put it to museums and things like that. So right. the story went, my mother was like the divinity appeared as a woman because he was not going to pay attention if it was a man. <laughs> and going to steal my stuff, wake up. And the man woke up and protected his items. And that's just also just like how spirit is going to interact with you is going to be in different forms, in different places, in different ways, right? Because it has the power to. And you are powerful enough to be whoever you want to be, to be who you actually are. And that's just, you know, a talk, uh, story on gender expression, being able yeah. to express yourself however you want, it, however it gets the job done. You feel me? You know, to you, to your destiny. That's yes.
0: it, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. There are not these colonial understandings of who we have to be and how we have to show up in the world. It's who mm-hmm. we need to be. Whatever facilitates your higher self and your destiny. Mm-hmm. Have. That's that
2: it, have. right.
0: And I think, honestly, you can't
2: really be truly transphobic or homophobic in the Eurasian tradition. I mean, there are people who can, yes. right? People who can, but there is no real reason why not. Because Olodomane, the creator's only thing, the only thing he wanted humanity to do was to have children, mm-hmm. because he couldn't have children. And you know, gay people are able to have children, they're able to adopt, they're able to do all these things. So that's not an issue. So that's the okay. you know, <laughs> children, so you know who So there's really nothing in that that really um, speaks about that at all, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, it feels like just the a response from colonialism and projecting it into our traditions, which we see. um, Mm -hmm. It is unfortunate. So I'm grateful for people like you Mm -hmm. who are able to speak the truth to us. Yes.
2: Uh, Yes. It's always empowering. It's always just really empowering just to be to speak the truth about LGBTQ people in Ifan or East tradition, because you deserve to have a home and to feel accepted as you are, you know? And just to know that there is nothing within your own stories of your ancestors that demonize you. And yeah. it was only colonialism that demonized you, okay?
0: Yes. Okay, so please tell us how we can find you, what services you offer. Just plug all of your things. Okay, so I
2: have, you can follow me on my socials. It's just Ahime Aura, my name, okay, um, on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> and for, my, for my services, uh, you can get on my Patreon, which is just patreon.com forward slash at my name. That's where I offer my bulk of my spiritual education for people who are interested in astrology, ifa, and the Aresha tradition as practiced on the continent. And yeah, I'm currently booked for divinations. Don't ask me about them. That's not what I'm doing right now. Okay. So- <laughs> okay.
0: looking <laughs> busy, honey. And let me just also plug makes um, Patreon. I am a patron and... Honey be giving the information, like the content.
1: (laughs) Like
0: be giving the content. Thank you so, (laughs) so, 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 so much, Ahima. Of course, of course. It was so good to you. Yes, likewise, you just so, I just can't believe you're 21. I'm just like the the knowledge, (laughs) the wisdom, the the ancestors be speaking through you, so I'm just so grateful to continue to witness you grow and grow and change the world. Like I'm, I'm just so
2: honored Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Yeah. So, nice. so fun, and you're doing amazing. You thank you for opening the path for like spiritual folks like me to be on social media and just to be more yeah. visible. You are yeah. putting so much salute and ashe onto you. May you keep doing what you do. Okay. Right.
0: I receive it. Thank you, love. Have a good one. You as well. Bye. Love you. Bye. I love you. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode of A Little Juju Podcast. If you would like to keep up with me, of course, you can find me on IG at It's Juju Bay or at A Little Juju Podcast. You can also follow me at It's Juju Bay on Twitter and reach out to me on my website to schedule a Reiki session, to reach out about any media inquiries, collaborations, sponsorships, etc., at www.itsjujube.com www.itsjujube.com and that is all i will see you all in a couple weeks happy holiday season sending gentleness peace love liberation and power and uh that's it
1: remember all you need is a little juju later. So I give them everything that they gave me. Yeah, so I can't be stopped. Manifested everything, gives me props. I'm spiritually rounded while I'm on the top. My spirit's surrounded, so I'll never drop drop.